You are listening to the Thinking Effect podcast with Osho Green and Lillian Krigler. Everything starts with a thought. Join the quest to reshape your own and your students' thinking by exploring your usual curriculum in new and exciting ways. In each episode, we share dynamic and practical ways you can ignite thinking in your classroom. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode five of The Thinking Effect. This episode is all about how do we help students articulate their thinking? But first, hello, Lilian, how are you? I'm very well, Autul. Lovely to see you. It's a public holiday today in Australia. It's Labor Day, but you and I are working. Of course, of course, because <laughs> it's important for us to continue with our podcast and help educators across the globe. And you know what? Today, today's question, how do we articulate, um, how do we help students articulate the thinking, is an interesting one because I think some people might think, well, what's the problem? I'm thinking about something and then I open my mouth and just say it. But in fact, in order to bring our thoughts to life, there's quite a complex process that needs to happen in our brain. That's right. I mean, sometimes in the classroom, educators will just assume that their students have learned a concept or a piece of information once they've delivered that lesson. You know, and there's, it might be true for a lot of students, but sometimes they aren't able to explain or recall what they've heard. And that complex thing you're talking about is the difference between receptive language and expressive language. So even babies, you know, if you talk to them and you do a lot of gesturing, etc., they can follow what you're saying, but they can't necessarily tell it back and that goes for older children as well it's a very specific skill to be able to express the learning exactly and what you're saying is I have an example actually because you know as a mom I'm really interested and curious about what my boys are doing at school and every day when they come back from school I ask them what did you learn today at school and then they start talking about the different lesson that they have and sometimes something trigger my curiosity and then I ask one of my boys can you elaborate on that can you explain to me more about it and sometimes I get a response of "Mm, I can't explain it and for me this is a it's quite worrying (laughs) because it means my son you know he's been through the lesson he was there present in the classroom they had this probably a discussion about it the teacher explained something but then he didn't get it he didn't understand it and I think sometimes there might be a gap in, in terms of the outcomes, the perceived outcomes of a lesson, because the teacher might think, well, the lesson was great. I explained a new topic. We had a class discussion about it and everyone understood the new topic or the new subject. And the student maybe through the lesson itself also think they, they got it, they understood it. But then later on, when they need to articulate their thinking and explain their new learning, they just don't have the words for it, which means they didn't understand it. You're, you're so correct in this. And I mean, if, if say we use the example of magnetism, you know, sometimes the educators create even a beautiful lesson with magnets where they will put the magnets on the table and also some of the the attendant resources like there might be 
iron filings or different kinds of magnets or the children might be encouraged to check the magnetism of different things like a piece of wood or a nail or a staple or whatever but when as you say they come to explain it later they they have a very blunt description you know we watch this thing where the the mag the magnet attracted stuff so it's more, you, you know, you really have to think about a lot of the language and the gap I think you're talking about is where students have this language and we inject it, we put it in, in exactly the context where they're working. So, you know, you might talk about a magnet has two poles. There's a north one and a south one or a magnet has a force or, you know, it depends on the weight of the materials. Um, we're naming even the metals, you know, which, which of the metals is it iron? Is it nickel? What is it? So getting a, a, a better language. In fact, um, Professor Voishan, I speak about him often, he calls language a verbal tool, a tool you can use to help the children explain what you've said that, you know, and get that gap closed yeah definitely they need to first be able to make the connection and then have the vocabulary to to express their thinking and and as you said if we continue with the magnetism example let's say the teacher is running a session and they speak about the theory and then hopefully the teacher the students get to have hands-on experience as we know how important it is to understand a topic and even if they can't have a hands-on experience because they lack the equipment. They can watch a video that really shows them how magnets work and how these forces operate. And then once the student actually observe, you know, magnetism, magnets, how they work, then we can help them further um, and use, for example, mind mapping in order to help them articulate their thinking. Mind mapping actually is a great learning tool because it helps you create that connection between different parts of information. It helps you structure the information, understand the connection, and then assign um, the language to it. And that helps you um, helps your brain uh, learn it and also helps you um, um, remember it for longer. So it's a great tool to use. And if we continue with our example, let's say... Um, we choose a theme, which is how does magnetism work? So you take, you ask your student, for example, to take an A4 paper. And then in the middle, you write, how does mag magnetism work? And kind of circle it around and then ask your student to um, come up with the first association from that question. And then they can draw lines and uh, write the first association, which might be um, electric charges, or might be north and south poles, as you mentioned before. Yes. And, and then from there on, they can continue with that, from that first association to create secondary association. So for example, with the north and south poles, one secondary association might be uh, opposite poles attract or same poles um, repel. Repel. Mm. Yeah, and so you let the students do this activity uh, in order for them to uh, form that connection in their brain between um, with the new information they, they just learned. 
and find the verbal, um, the right verbal way to express it, the right words. And then when they finish this activity, you can actually ask your student to share the mind map they created, share with the class and explain the rest of the students about it, about their thinking on this topic. Yes, this is a marvelous um, tool um, because, you know, it, hopefully it's collaborative. So the first thing is that children are exposed to other people's knowledge while they're building that map. Then there's the adding the hands and the eyes. So if we know about how the brain works, there are huge areas of the brain linked to the hands and the eyes and not the ears only. And when they can see the words written and when they're active, the learning is embedded. Children have to hear something 40 times before they learn it if it's just coming through their ears and they have to hear it in context 40 times. There's research around this. But the minute you start with action, play, um, recording and using the other senses, that learning happens faster. So those are a few reasons why mind mapping is really good. But as you said, also, you know, they put down poles here and attract uh, and repel. And then there's a line between those things. And in our planning and discussion for this uh, podcast, we, we suddenly had this realization that the line is a really important thing because the line is talking about the relationship and the cause and the effect, or there's so many different kinds of relationships, but that's what a mind map is actually showing the connections between ideas. So that's why it makes it a very powerful learning tool. And if it's happening sort of side by side or soon after the actual hands-on activity, it's very, very powerful because it, it brings more um, explanation and currency to what they were doing. Definitely, it helps them structure the new information and uh, create that relationship, that connection between the different information that they just heard or saw. And as you said, Liliane, it's very important to visualize our learning because it's not enough to hear it. I mean, verbally, like you said, it will take 40 times. My God, that's so, <laughs> so <Not> much. <laughs> So with mind mapping, you can actually encourage students to visualize, visualize that information. So they don't necessarily have to just write what it is. They can draw, they can draw the magnets, they can draw how they work. And that um, help expedite that process of learning and understanding that new information. Yes, you know, that that's absolutely right. And when they see the language on the page, you know, one of the things I believe about thinking is that it's got to come out of the here and now so that you can recall it abstractly in your mind. So once they see the language written down on the page, they can start to visualize it in their own brain. And what this does is it, it takes that receptive language, what they're hearing and, and seeing, et cetera, but it gives them more capacity to express it because it's more embedded in their brains. And what this also helps them to do, and I think this is very underestimated sometimes, is it gives them 
a language to discuss it with themselves in their own mind. They are able, it grows their ability to self-talk, talk to themselves about something. Um, and this is, you know, one of the, so, so the expressive language goes out of their mind into the community so they can discuss it and talk about it, but also it allows them to talk about it in themselves, to reason about it. So if, you know, if this um, wood isn't being attracted, then I know that it, it's, it's not magnetic. Um, and, you know, if I need something magnetic for this, puppet to be you know say there's a puppet on a, a little metal a wooden stand and you've got a magnet underneath a piece of cardboard and you're trying to move it around you'll realize what you have to change you can reason that out I need to take this wooden disc and attach my standing puppet to a metal disc so that the magnet's actually going to move it around so they're able to reason that in their mind yeah, definitely. Uh, they first, I mean, each one of us first needs to, to explain it to ourselves to gain a better understanding before we can explain it to others. And one of the great ways to learn something is by teaching and explaining others yeah. about it. And that's why it's important to ask your student to share their learning and explain to the class, because as they try and teach the other student, it helps them better understand and learn the material. Yes, it's given them that practice of bringing it out. So, you know, we have input, we have information processing, and then we have output. And so this gives them the practice, the output to, to make sure other people can understand it. And while that's happening, they're understanding it better themselves, just as you and I, when we discuss this, it's, oh, this is really important. Um, so, yes, the other thing is, you know, it, unless the children do have this deep understanding and they um, are able to express it, you can't really build more complex information on top of it. So sometimes, you know, the children who get something really fast, but they can't explain to you why, they might reach a ceiling in their thinking where because they don't have that very basic understanding, they just know it intuitively, they can't build something on top of it. So for instance, if, if children don't really get what division is, um, cutting things in pieces and parts, are they gonna be able to understand decimals and percentages and fractions later on? You know, if they can't talk really well about how you can divide things into pieces and whether those pieces are equal and whether, you know, the minute you cut a pizza, into eight pieces, they're eight pieces, but each piece is smaller. If they don't, if they can't articulate that understanding, it becomes really difficult to build new information on top of it. So that's why it's very important that this expressive language is well developed in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. We need to have solid foundations before we can yeah. build on that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, that brings me actually to the next episode. Let's share with everyone what the next episode is going to be. So next time we're going to talk about how can you help children see the forest and the trees, which is going to be an interesting topic to discuss. <laughs> yes, I love that. So the quick summation from this, um, this uh, quick podcast was how do we help children 
to uh, articulate their learning. So what does that mean? That means they are able to tell others exactly what they understand about something. Why is it important? Because it consolidates the learning and it helps them to build more learning on top of it. And the how is perhaps lovely hand-on activities, but to supplement those with lots of vocabulary and the opportunity to mind map and to visualize information, maybe even in drawing and other ways. Absolutely. And we would love to hear from you, um, teachers who try this in your classroom, try mind mapping and helping your student articulate your think their thinking. We would love to hear from you about your experiences. So please uh, email us. Our email address is thethinkingeffectpodcast at gmail.com. And one lucky teacher will get the Think Unique, my book, which is a comprehensive guide to help teachers create an innovative learning environment in the classroom. So um, feel free to write. We always love to hear from teachers and educators from around the globe. And we will meet you next time in our next episode, episode six. How can we help children see the forest and the trees? That's correct. We look greatly forward to being with you again. Bye.